Welcome to Raising Our Voices. Today we are talking about NDIS. Hello to all. My name is James. In the studio today we have Maria and Catherine today. What is your role, Catherine? I've just joined Amida to run the NDIS Appeals Support Service. What is the NDIS? That's a good question. The NDIS is one of the biggest social reforms in Australia, in Australia's history, and it was created to enable more choice and freedom for people with disabilities. The NDIS is the National Disability Insurance Scheme, which is a new way that disability services and supports will be funded in Australia. What is the NDIA? The NDIA is the National Disability Insurance Agency, which is the government bit that runs the NDIS. Who, who can get the NDIS? So the NDIA has a checklist on their website. If you go to the NDIS website, ndis.gov.au, and they have questions that you can answer to see if you're eligible. Um, and you have to be an Australian resident um, and or citizen and under 65 years old at the time of applying. Maria, would you like to elaborate on the technical? As well as being an Australian citizen or permanent resident and under 65 when you apply, you need to have a disability. That means that you need support from another person or equipment to do things. That means that you, you might need equipment for mobility, like a wheelchair or leg braces. You might need help to learn and remember things. You might need help to get out of bed, to shower. You might need help to make decisions or a range of other types of support that you might need because of your disability. When it's young children, um, they can enter the NDIS under what they call the early intervention criteria, which is getting support now, so they might need less support in the future. So people, so physio or speech therapy, getting it now might mean they have less support needs in the future. What does it fund? It funds what they call reasonable and necessary supports related to somebody's disability. So that might be equipment, it might be support workers, might, might be quite a few other things as well. It could be support with transportation costs, um, it could be support for therapy, like you mentioned, speech therapy earlier. And unfortunately, there's not one list that says the NDIS funds this and the NDIS does not fund this. So it's really up to each individual to see what they need um, and then apply for what they need. In general, the NDIS will not fund things that other people who don't have a disability, pay for themselves. So the NDIS will not pe fund people's rent. 
they usually won't fund for people to have a gym membership, things that people without disabilities would pay for by themselves, the NDIS won't fund, except in exceptional circumstances. Does the NDIS have anything to do with the disability pension or the carer's pension? No. No, it doesn't. I don't think so. Some people, some people who get the NDIS will be on a disability pension. Not everybody who gets the NDIS will be on a disability pension because some people might be working or they might be too young to get a disability pension. But having the pension, having the pension pays for your living costs, the NDIS pays for your support costs. If people are currently getting the mobility allowance, though, that does change. When you get an NDIS plan, you lose the mobility allowance, but you should get a transport payment within your NDIS plan. It's the same with CAPS. So if people are getting funding for continence aids, they'll lose that CAPS payment, but they should get continence aids funded in their NDIS plan. How does the NDIA decide what supports you get? They decide it based on what's reasonable and necessary, as we were talking about before, and also on value for money. And so, again, this is specific to each case and every every person's individual circumstances. Um, and I know we'll talk about it later, but actually a good place to look is the NDIS grassroots discussion on Facebook. That There's a lot of conversation there around what people are getting for supports for themselves, for their children, um, maybe what they're not getting. And, and it's, of course, the NDIA says you can't apply for something based on, oh, my friend got this. But you can, of course, explain your own situation, your own lived experience in order to um, ask for supports. And they also decide based on your goals. So it's really, really important to have a, a goal that, that is specific to you um, and that you can point to a support and say, this support helps me to achieve this goal that I said is my goal. What sorts of goals do people have? Uh, my goal is to get my licence or to travel independently to, uh, overseas, maybe. So that's a very specific goal and a more general goal. And you can have both kinds of goals when you're applying for a plan. Um, and we were talking about it earlier before the show that sometimes it's helpful to have a general goal because then all of your different support needs could fa fall under that goal. Mm. But also it could be really helpful to have a very specific goal, such as getting your driver's license, um, so that you can explain how each support will help you to get your license. Mm. And contrary to what some media outlets might say or some hype that you might see in the media, uh, people that are applying for the NDIS are asking for very modest supports, things like incontinence supports, equipment supports, just to get through daily life, not asking to go on holiday or to go to some to go to a five star resort. Uh, but they that's could that's not reasonable and necessary, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but they might be asking for um, something that would 
enable them to leave the house in order to go on that trip that they've saved for and they're they're planning themselves. We'll go for a station break now and then afterwards we'll talk more about planning. And now we're going to listen to You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party because once you get your NDIS plan you're happy with, you should be partying. Welcome back to Raising Our Voices on 3CR on 855 on your AM dial. Today we are talking about NDIS. And we thought it would be a good idea to talk about planning. Um, Even though I run the NDIS appeals service, that's after you've received a plan. But if you haven't received a plan yet, you might get a phone call soon. And hopefully if the planning process goes well in the first place, people won't need to appeal as often. Exactly. Sorry to do you out of work, but... (laughs) (laughs) I'd be gladly out of work in this situation. (laughs) So in terms of planning, you do have the right to have an advocate with you while you're in your planning session, while you're speaking to your planner. But in some cases, you might receive a phone call where your advocate is not around. Yeah, I've heard of quite a few people um, who have had to do their planning meeting over the phone and in fact in some cases people haven't even known that they were in a planning meeting. Um, Somebody from the NDIA phoned them up saying that they were gathering information but didn't say that that would be used for a plan and then so they talked and then sometime later they got a plan. And just quickly what is a plan? A plan is says what your goals are and it says what supports that the NDIS will fund to help you meet your goals. Right. And there are good ways that you can prepare yourself for that planning meeting. Um, There's some resources online. For example, there is a planning kit through Melbourne City Mission. They have some information on planning on their website. And then also Picture My Future com. That's a pretty good resource for thinking about the things that you like, the goals you might have, um, mm. and it involves taking a camera around maybe for a couple of weeks and taking photos of things that you like and that you care about, and that will help you to shape um, the kind of future you want and then how, how would you get there. Or even have it writing down um, what supports you currently have. Um mm what you might want to change about those supports, what equipment that you currently have or you need. Because if you've got an electric wheelchair, um, the NDIS might need, to, might need to pay for maintenance of it and eventually buying a new one. Yes. What changes are there for people with a disability? If somebody is already receiving support that's funded by the state government or perhaps their local council, in the future, their support will be funded by the NDIS. Usually in the first year of somebody's NDIS plan, they have something called a first plan, which will continue your current services unless there's other things that you need and don't have. 
because in the current system there are quite a lot of people that get a little bit of support but don't get all the support they need. And it's also a time um, for people to start thinking about things differently as well, like supports that they might never have had and, and could have or activities they might pursue that they haven't before, particularly for people who have been in this streamlined system for quite a long time. What choices are there? Well, in theory, the NDIS is meant to make less gap between the lives of people who have a disability and people without a disability. So people with a disability should be able to make the same types of choices as people who don't have a disability. For example, they should be able to choose where they live, perhaps, Mm. or who they live with, or what they do during the day, and have the support to do that. And to do it independently. That is right. Some people in the current system, they might be living in a group home, and they might, if they're lucky, get a choice of what what colour their walls are painted, but may not get a choice of where that group home is, who they're living with, who is supporting them. So does everybody get a plan? Yes, I think. The NDIS is rolling out in different places at different times. So I live in the city of Melbourne, which is Melbourne Metro, which means that the NDIS comes to my area in October of 2018, so next year. But there are some people in Geelong who've had the NDIS since July of 2013. So some people in Geelong might be on their fourth or fifth plan before I get my first one. And how do you get it? Um, There's two ways. If you're using services from some types of services, your name will be given to the NDIS from the services that you're using. Otherwise, you can ask for an access request form, which your doctor will have to help you fill out. And it will ask for information about your disability and what support needs you have. And this would be particularly useful for someone who hasn't had supports in the past or has had very minimal supports. Yeah, and there's actually quite a few people who are getting the NDIS who may be adults who haven't had support before. Either either they been on a waiting list for a long time or they just haven't applied for support. What do you do if you're not happy with your NDIS? NDIA, NDIA I should say. Or NDIS. That's, yeah, it's a very confusing distinction. I think usually we'll say NDIS because that's what's always in the news and then NDIA is the body making the decision. Mm. So NDIS works, I think. NDIS. And so if you don't like that decision, um, you can speak 
to your planner, and if you find it difficult to speak to your planner, speak to your support worker who is communicating with your planner. You can also speak to an advocate if you know an advocate um, to help you to self-advocate, or if you know any self-advocacy groups, you can speak to them. And you can also come to AMIDA. We are one of the providers of the Appeals Support Service, but there are a few others across Victoria that have been funded to provide free support on making an appeal. So if you are unhappy with your plan, you can request a review to the NDIA. And if they give you back a review, or, or, sorry, a new plan, and you still think that it's wrong, come to us and we can begin the process of taking action to make an appeal of that decision. And our contact information is appeals, so that's A-P-P-E-A-L-S at amida.org.au. And Amida is spelled A-M-I-D-A. And our phone number is 03-9650-2722. And you can both appeal a plan that you don't think is right. And if the NDIS says that you're not, you don't have a disability and you're not eligible. You exactly. Can yeah. yeah, that's a very good point to make. Thank you, Maria. Uh, travel. So there was a big case recently in the news. You might have heard about it. Public transport, sorry. Yes, exactly. There, there was um, someone who needed public transport support costs to be covered and um, the NDIA agreed that the support was necessary. It was reasonable and necessary, but they weren't going to support them with the entire costs of the transport. And so it was found in court that actually if you're going to offer support, it should be a full support. Uh, if it's reasonable and necessary, you can't only give a contribution to that funding. The NDIA did not like that court decision, so they're now appealing it themselves. So stay tuned and watch that space. Are there any, any other big issues? There are heaps of things that we could talk about, and I think we could talk about the NDIS indefinitely, really, because we're every, it's new to everybody and we're all trying to figure out what's going on, um, what the best things are and what the worst things are, and just how to work out plans that make everybody happy. Um, and I think, yeah, there's a few big questions, like in terms of self-management, when you get the funds, how do you use them? And who who's going to be spending them? Is it the service provider? Is it you? One of the other big issues is that there are some people currently receiving community support for a mental illness who are being found ineligible for the NDIS because the NDIS... Um, supports people whose disability is likely to be permanent. And some people with mental health issues have said, okay, you've got, got a disability at the moment, but it might not be permanent. Um, I've also heard of people with some types of physical illness being rejected, although they have obvious current support needs. People are saying that, no, it might not be permanent. I've heard of somebody being told that they can't come back until they have surgery, for example. Mm. And in some cases, um, as we were also talking about before, it might be a good idea if you are found not to be eligible for the NDIS 
to just wait um, until three months have elapsed um, instead of making a, a request for a review and then apply again with as much evidence as you have from different professionals, um, different assessments, and just making the case more for your lived experience and your day-to-day -day experiences. And then also, once you're in the NDIS system, once you have a plan, you're always in it for life. So that's the good thing. If, if you can get that status, then you don't have to prove over and over and over again from year to year. You can stay in the NDIS after you're 65 too. That's a myth that some people have, that mm. once you're 65, you lose the NDIS. And that's not true. You need to get the NDIS before you're 65. Mm. But if you have the NDIS before you're 65, you can keep it. What are some of the good things about the NDIS? I'm, I've heard you've heard some things, Maria. Do you want to share? Well, first of all, some people will be able to get support for the first time. If people do have support, they're going to be able to move from state to state. Under the old state systems, if people moved, they may lose their funding. Mm. True. The NDIS theoretically gives people more choice, mm. though some people aren't so sure about that. Each individual case will test the system. Um, and as, as the NDIA says, no one will be worse off. So that's the main goal. And I think for a lot of people, that is what's happening. And that's very positive news. Thanks for listening to Raising Our Voices on the issue of NDIS today. Thank you, everyone. Thank, Thank you, you James. James. Tune in next month, the second Wednesday of the month. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.